Driving it home with Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to wear masks says, and politicians getting caught grabbing asses says, she's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. Hello, hello, and happy Monday. It's amazing how balmy 34 degrees can feel. <sighs> Although I was watching a video out of uh, a community near St. Louis, Missouri, where a fire truck just started, I mean, just spinning down this residential street uh, and with no end in sight, it was on a hill. And uh, oh, man, I mean, it banged into a couple of cars. I'm not sure if it eventually hit a house. Um, The footage stopped when it kind of rounded the corner. But uh, I was a little bit, uh, I was a little uh, nervous about going out. Not sure if we were going to have similarly icy streets because the ice can be worse. I don't know if you've been listening to some of the reports. It's one thing when there's a lot of snow and everyone takes their time. They're a little more cautious. They're aware of it. And maybe the salt trucks and the plows haven't gotten out there yet. But when there isn't really a lot of snow, a little bit of some flurries, it can actually be more dangerous because you can't see where the ice patches are. People, it kind of looks like it's fine. Uh, But I don't know uh, if we had any similar problems in the Chicagoland area, but man, that ugh, I think you could probably Google fire truck uh, St. Louis, Missouri, and it is just it is just spinning, and it's horrifying to see. I, I really thought it was going to take out a house or two, man. Whoo! Uh, what a weekend! What a weekend we had! All right, let's see if we can fix our camera. We're on Facebook Live. Uh, it's our it's our it's our weekly. Can we fix the camera in real time? Okay, that looks okay, but if I move back, is it still okay? All right. So go to the, <laughs> you can check in with us on Monday uh, at five, because uh, on the Facebook Live page, as we encourage you to do so every day on WCPT's Facebook page or on the Patty Vasquez show page, you can watch the live stream and we have guests in studio or they're on the phone. We uh, throw their photo up there. And, uh, but that way you can, um, uh, help me. <laughs> focus the cameras on Mondays uh, so that uh, when does, you know, I mean I might be blurry on Mondays but it shouldn't show on the cameras what a weird weekend uh, I don't like I, I so many things happened that by the time I get here I don't even know what to sift through because then more things happen on Monday I'm watching legislators in Wisconsin talking about uh, abortion bans and that uh, they want to go back to the 1800s legislation yelling at a, a woman who is uh, a medical professional and this legislator's yelling at her about how you don't understand the law I hope you, you understand the law before you get your degree in medicine but what, what is it and then Mike Johnson, there's video of Mike Johnson today talking about how uh, maybe, get this, maybe Republicans wouldn't want to slash Social Security and Medicaid and Medicare, whatever it is that they were talking about, if women were forced to continue and carry out their, their pregnancies. Like literally saying, if we just, if, if we had more women having babies, then, hey, look, not for nothing. Either the broad squeezes one out or we're cutting Social Security. The, the old people get it. Make us a baby or the old lady gets it. What is happening? <laughs> this is, and then, okay, so let's, over the weekend, that's just some of the things that were happening today. Uh, you may know, by the way, in, in addition to the, all, I don't know if they're all in a frenzy to get more abortion legislation and restrictions and bans in as many states as possible before Biden wins again. I don't know. I don't know what this this 
really mania over controlling women's bodies. I don't know where that's coming from. Nikki Haley over the weekend asked if she would support a national ban on abortion, said, yes, I am unabashedly uh, pro-life, which is I stop saying that you are not. You are forced. You're pro-forced birth. Full stop. Um, And today, uh, Donald Trump's uh, court case was uh, delayed till tomorrow. Uh, Alina Haba said that her her parents have COVID. She wasn't feeling well. I believe a juror was out. They had nine jurors, although they can have there's not a required number of jurors. I think they can go down to six or seven. Uh, But the judge decided to delay until possibly tomorrow, possibly Wednesday, because Trump said he didn't want to have to testify before the primaries in New Hampshire. Well, by all means, let's go on your clock. You guys, there's so many crazy things happening that right now I'm just spiraling through the things that I last saw. The other thing that I saw is a legislator in Florida wants to set aside funds to pay for Donald Trump's criminal cases for his for his attorney fees because it would be in the best interests of Floridians to have a Floridian in the White House. So they're saying that we want to pay Donald Trump's legal fees to make sure that he is okay to become president. Meanwhile, there are people in the state of Florida doing their best to get out of whatever legal situation they're in, they, many of whom uh, lose their homes or go into bankruptcy or lose everything that they have trying to fight cases. And they want to give it to this guy, allegedly a billionaire. I want to throw things. I so want to throw things. Uh, I don't. It, what was the last thing I heard? Uh, you know, one of the last things I heard was, yeah, I, the, well, I don't know, Roosevelt. What do you want to say, Roosevelt, about uh, uh, one of our older people who's now running for congressman? Yeah. Uh, thank you for taking my call, Patty. Yeah. A couple of questions for you. Since you're more... I, to know than I am. I don't know if I want to if I want to make any comments on a, on an interview that was on prior to my show because I was I only caught the. T- it's, not, huh? it's not the interview, and it's not okay. Phone, it's not okay. Thank you. Specifically, specifically, from time to time, I listen. Can I mention the name of the show and the station? Or sure, go ahead. Would you rather? Yeah, that? that's all right. Go ahead. Okay. He, Ray Lopez. I want to talk specifically about him. Then I want to ask you a question relating to it, Ray Lopez. He has become a regular on Dan Prof and Amy Jacobson. Uh-huh. Never, uh-huh. never ever heard him say anything positive, positive about the Democratic Party, about the specifically Democratic Party in the city, anybody, any kind of strategy, any positive, anything good that the Democratic Party has done. Of course, it's a right-wing show. We know what that prop did when it was the uh, governor's election, what the tricks and the, and the, and the, and the, and the underhanded stuff that he pulled. He has become a regular. Okay? He, uh, now, he comes on this station... I don't know if you ever had him as a guest. (laughs) Okay. He comes on the station and he does the same thing. I never heard him any strategy, anything negative against how we could beat Trump. I know that he's not, you know, he doesn't have any, um, um, you know, you know what I'm saying? No. So my point is, Uh 
He never says anything positive about our party or our policies. I think or our po- I think our that, I, right. I think that. And so, no, I, I have not had uh, Alderman Lopez on my show. Um, I, I feel as though he and Paul Vallis are the, cut of the same cloth in their presenting themselves as Democrats. Um, and by that, I mean, it, it just seems like a lot of their uh, talking points seem to contrast a lot. Of, and look, not to say we don't. I mean, obviously, a moderate, moderate Democrats are and and we, we want more moderate. We can't talk about how we want more mo- moderate Republicans. And somewhere in there should be where we're having the negotiations and, you know, the far left and the far right uh, pushing us to be either more pr- progressive. Unfortunately, the far, far right, the right wing extremists have pulled their party into a position that is not sustainable and is dangerous to this country. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I do think that there's the conversations to be had. I, I agree. I just don't know where what what makes Vallis and Ray Lopez Democrats. I, I would like to ask them what because for, for me, I'll say it over and over again. It's labor rights. It's women's reproductive rights. It's health care access for all. It, and you know what? When we talk about uh, it's so funny. There was a moment when okay, I said I wouldn't talk about his interview, um, but there was a moment where I, I heard just a part of where he was talking about uh, when you bring in an animal and you make sure it's got progress. I didn't hear the first part of it. And I was like, is he talking about people in prison? Which he was not. So <laughs> that's where my brain went. Yeah. But that's but I wouldn't I would not I kind of wouldn't have been surprised. And so, um, you know, when it comes to our incarceration, I think that we do need to have smarter and better solutions uh, that keeps both people who are, you know, we talk about rehabilitation and uh, and bringing people back into society and and making a path forward. I think that we need to be investing in those uh, parts of our safety nets, our support systems that prevent crime. I think there's a lot to be done for preventative, preventative crime. And Republicans are much more about responsibility responses to crime, which is necessary. But if, if it's just lock people away and never let them have rights again, I don't I don't agree with that. And, you know, you and me, you, you and I, you and I had a conversation about Ray Lopez in the past, specifically about the sanctuary city. Is he still against, he's still against sanctuaries, making Chicago a sanctuary city, voting against, is he still voting against it? Is he still against oh, I think, it? He, I, I think he was trying to call for a vote for it a few a few months ago, wasn't he? Yeah, to, right. to, to repeal, so, right. So, so to me, to me, he's not a Democrat. That's just my opinion. And he constantly, I'm going to say it again, he constantly is a regular to smash the Democratic Party on Amy Jacobson and, and they just, oh, they love that, that guy over there. And that is a sign. I'm sorry. That is a sign. And all he does is he criticizes the Democratic Party, of course, locally, city, uh, and and everything. How bad the mayor is, how bad uh, everything. Everything, all the Democrats locally are doing a horrible job when it comes down to him. That's why they let him in. And I wonder, they, they I, I wonder if it's just been more successful for him, you know, getting that coverage and, and you know, st- taking staking out that territory because, it, you know, he does engage a lot on Twitter. I, I noticed that he'll get into back and forth with folks. Um, yeah, I, I it's, it's it's interesting. It's an interesting situation to have. But I, I'm, not, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised because to me, he has nothing, nothing as far as. Uh, any signs of being a Democrat, and that proves it right there. Because he, he's going to bring the vote. He was going to bring the vote for against sanctuary cities. That tells you right there, because he doesn't care about his own constituents. And to be more specific, about where he came from, 
Well, well, I would say I would say, though, that I'm I'm guessing there are people in his community that do want to revoke that many. You know, that this the polling showed that in Chicago, I believe it was 54 percent of Latinos did not like the way the migrant situation was going. Many people feeling like, well, I didn't get that kind of help. I mean, the way it, and that does come partly from the way he frames the conversation yeah. and other conservatives frame the conversation. But there is that element where a lot of people are like, you know, I had kind of a pull yourself up by the bootstraps or you don't get a free lunch here or, you know, I didn't get the free pass. There's a little there is resentment in our community when it comes to migrants and asylum seekers. So I think that he he most likely does have those people in his community uh, demanding that we revoke the sanctuary city status. I just I'm just Uh, I'm just putting that out there. It's possible. I'm I'm glad you brought that up. Because again, back to the same subject this morning. I made me so mad. I was listening to my own people talking against other people like Venezuelans and just putting them down and saying how they're all lazy and all this and that. I, I can't, I can't see when that happens, it reminds me what they used to say about us. And to this day, and it reminds me of Trump and these people. And then the guy goes, Oh, I'm voting for Trump. And I'm thinking, Oh my God. I, you know? And, and, and so I called up the lady runs the show, and I go, I feel so bad that our people are not well informed how this government works. Because they were saying that they were taking grants from, you know, uh, the grants from, um, they canceled some grants in uh, some college, I mean, some um, uh, Catholic uh, schools, and that they were taking that money and giving them to the Venezuelans. Everything that possibly not be true they were saying it this morning and i told them like this i said you make it sound like biden could just take this and put it over there and take that and put it over here and he's got money and he's got your money and their complaint to your point is that these people don't want to work that that, you know they were saying the majority of these people don't want to work and all this and that and i'm thinking oh my god so i told them i go our constitution Protects these people because of the, where they're coming from. It's not the same as Mexico. I go, United States does not, uh, the government doesn't work the same way as Mexico. So you, I, I don't understand why you guys keep on putting down other people. And their beef is always, it comes down to the common denominator. And a common denominator is they want permits to work, meaning people that are not here legally. No, why is it taking so long? They don't understand. I go, you got to see that it's a, it's an okie doke. It's a game because the Republicans are not going to agree to do anything because Roe versus Wade is over now. So they need something else to run on. And this is perfect. But you guys don't see it. I go, Trump just was just in Texas about a month ago, a month and a half ago. Now, what do you suppose they were talking about him and Abbott? And Abbott gave him his support. Don't forget that. So I said, and you guys keep on putting the blame where the blame, where, where, where I go, you got to put it where it starts. It starts in Texas. It starts with the governor. I go, he's taking private planes. What more? Do you, how, how, how plain can you get as far as cruelty? Another thing I told them, this is, I'm going to close it with this. They know that Democrats care for people. Republicans don't. Because we've seen what happened four, uh, four years with Trump. 
We've seen it with the virus. Yeah. So, so, so I go. Their plan is it's a double-sided plan, meaning they're killing two birds with one stone. In the punt. Right. But I go. Want to break? They want to break the city of Chicago because that's where the convention is next year. I go. It's all political. I go. You guys don't see it. I mean, it's plain as day. So, I go and they know that. Democrats are not going to let these people uh, freeze or whatever. I go, they're going to do the best they can. Yeah, but they're taking our money from here to right, there. Right. I go, yeah. I go, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't. I, so I, that, they're very bitter and, and, and angry. To you, your point. Roosevelt, I feel like we've had a whole Roosevelt segment here. <laughs> you talk longer in this segment than I have. I've got to run to a break, my friend. No. Sometimes we got to go back and forth a little bit, okay? Uh, thank you very much. Okay. But this makes up for the times that you didn't give me any time at the end. <laughs> That's all right. Thanks, Roosevelt. I'm glad to get to speak your piece. Thank you. I, I've got to figure out a speak your piece segment. Take care, Roosevelt. Um, and also, I've got a. Uh, oh, by the way, Roosevelt, if you're still listening, I absolutely agree agree with you. And Roosevelt, uh, I was like, is this a Democrat? <laughs> I know. Uh, let's take a break here because my friend uh, Carmen Navarro Jacon is in the studio. Let's say hi first. Hi, Carmen. Hi, Patty. How hi. are you? I'm good. I haven't seen you in a while. I know. I wanted to hug you when I walked in. I know. I was like, I'm, I'm busy. Business. I, know, I got I was, it. I was busy. <laughs> Carmen Navarro in studio with us. We'll take a break and come back and continue our conversation. Our number is 773-763-9278. That's the number to call and join our conversation anytime. You can also text to the same number, 773-763-WCPT. If you want to type it out that way. More after this. Hey there, it's your guy Warren Price from European and U.S. Collision Repair, a division of Technograph Body Shops. We specialize in automobile and truck repair as well as normal automobile maintenance. With our highly skilled technicians and environmentally friendly materials, we strive for quality. Call 773-248-1200, that's 773-248-1200 or EuropeanUS.com. Patty Vasquez is taking your calls now at 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez now on WCPT 820. Carmen Navarja Cohn joins us in the studio. She is a former candidate for Cook County Sheriff. And uh, it's it's that uh, it, 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 was there any time in between campaign seasons between the last race? Now we're seeing all these endorsements for people, and I'm like, oh god, the doorbell rang. Poor guy almost fell backwards on my stairs because not not he, he realized his mistake. I did. Have- <laughs> I, I'm not gonna ask who it was. Um, well, we, I mean, we can talk about some of this stuff. Yeah. But, but do you feel like you like are you when do you get in, are you, you feel like you're gonna get in the swing of things for this campaign? Like getting involved and wanting like locally, like because we know all the stuff going on now. Yeah. So um, the funny thing is, I was one of those, and I know we've discussed this before, I was one of those who who thought that um, the Democrats would always take care of me, and so I would never actually have to show up to do anything. And then Trump happened, and I was like, I better handle this myself, because apparently not enough people are fighting. And I was one of those that kind of... And so the first time that I actually got involved, involved was for my own, when I decided... I can make a difference. Yes. And I decided to, you know, try to make a run for office. I learned a lot in that crash course. So has there been a break? No, but only because I enjoyed learning about the process. I enjoyed learning 
um, although it was frustrating and angering, learning about the what happens behind the scenes. Right. Um, the conversations when they say politics makes strange bedfellows. Mm-hmm. I now understand what that means. Um, and it's just fueled me that much more. Um, yeah, so you and that, I learned a lot of lessons. And oddly, around within the same group. Same group. <laughs> same group. Very strange. Well, because yes. I remember someone telling me that, and very early on, because I had been very good friends. Like, I mean, visiting each other, bringing gifts when he had babies. And we went we went to go see a solar eclipse. I went to go see a solar eclipse with, with Senator, now, now Senator, then Representative Robert Martwick. And when things started going sideways, and I, and like he, we had a meeting where he just laid into me. Because I had had a meeting with Speaker Madigan, but he had had a miniature golf outing that day, and I told him I couldn't make it. I had a family thing, but I did. I was taking my son to me, <laughs> Speaker <laughs> Madigan, yeah. to see because Madigan wanted to know what my plans were for running. Um, but people told me because after he, I was like, "Wow, that was intense." When Martwick yelled at me, uh, and by yell I mean like it was, like, it was more of a like. How dare you? Mm-hmm. You know, you went behind my back. You mm-hmm. told me you couldn't, you know, like that kind of a, that's you, what I mean by yelling. You didn't ask permission. Right. Oh, you've yeah. got some nerve. You're done. I, I, well, but I had been encouraged to run in the first place by him. Anyway, I, uh, someone, I talked to somebody and they said, here's what you need to remember. Uh, friends are not permanent. Friends and allies. Let's put it that way. Friends and allies are not permanent. Friends uh, and enemies are not permanent. Only interests are permanent. But now, but my interests are also as a rape survivor, as a homicide survivor, and the survivor of domestic abuse. Mm -hmm. Uh, So those interests, until Representative LaPointe and Senator Martwick addressed their behavior during that campaign, which I had a woman tell me that she was raped when she was 17. Brutally, the way she put it, and said that when she saw my mailers, she used to think she might run for office. She doesn't think she can ever run for office now because of what Lindsay put on those mailers. Yeah. Talking about using the words like rape and incest to make to manipulate people's emotions over and over and over again and when you think about who's allowed to do that it's even more infuriating yeah. that that a woman would attack another woman in that way um, and another and another domestic violence survivor it was crazy yeah. but so let me, let me get back on a topic so that uh, folks that are calling in we can bring this all together uh, and I might take a break Dan if you'll hold on Jim if you'll hold on but I think that this is really top of mind is the migrant situation yes. uh, and it's it is it's so awful and and I and I go back and forth as, as far as like one of my outrages is the mismanagement of the funds too. Not just on uh, whether it's us, the like blatant mismanagement of the funds. Yeah, but not just us, but like in in San Antonio, Texas, they got hundreds of mo- millions of dollars from FEMA to care and provide support services for migrants, and they used that money in San Antonio. Catholic charities put migrants on planes to bring, send them to Chicago. How is, I mean, and FEMA said, yeah, that's appropriate use of that yeah, money. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and then so then the support services th- then send us that money. Send us all your money. I mean, but then we also are signing contracts with people who see a city or state contract, and all of a sudden, it's $7 million for one location in Rogers Park. Yeah, and then they want us to sit back and decide who's being worse. Yeah. Who, who, who's behaving more badly? You're both behaving badly. And at the end of the day, the same people are suffering. Yes. And everyone thinks they're right. And people are still suffering like somebody needs to like enough is enough. No one is is being any better than the other on any part um, right now. That's the infuriating part. You know how much money. So I did uh, like quick math. 
and I just divided the, I think it was 650, the last I saw was about $650 million. And I like was spitballing. Let's say there's 35,000. You know, I should probably do it now so I don't like get that number wrong. But like if we just gave, we could just get, I mean, not that we should, but like how are we doing better by not just giving them $15,000? Like when people say, oh, they're getting $2,000, they're not. We're actually spending more than $2,000 per Per a lot more. And when you stop to think about uh, people complaining about we're not giving enough, what have we done for the homeless here and that's this entire time year? It's been going on for forever here, right? We right. have our only we have our own unhoused population. Now we've added to it. So now we we have a larger community of that. Where 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 has the money previously been going? Yeah. And, and now you've added to it and no one wants to answer the question straightforward. Just some honesty because everyone knows there's nothing but crap that's been going on. Yeah. Like you, you can't hide that. Started so just, building a tent city had to stop. So, you know, can't use. There's a YMCA in Niles that has been empty. Mm-hmm. The Leaning Tower Y yes. has been empty for since the pandemic. How I mean, so there's a rooms, there are bathrooms, there's showers. There's even I mean, how is that not? A, I mean, if we had just spent 10 million dollars. To house people there for months through at least through the winter, I, what maybe three hundred people? How about, right. So start by apologizing to our homeless, our unhoused population. Start by we're sorry we hadn't taken care of you. We apologize. We should have done better. Now that we have this migrant right. issue, we see what we could have done, and we're going to help you and them because that's what the fight is. When you when you keep the people at the body bottom fighting against each other, yes. Who 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 wins? Yeah. The people at the top who are going to continue to make the money. Do we know? Is there anybody that's putting that forward to like the funding is for unhoused people? So that includes migrants and asylum seekers and people who have been seeking shelter. And, and is warmth. that message really being delivered? Because is that really in the best interest of either political party? I think Roosevelt was saying it earlier that it's all about politics yeah. because they're keeping it all about politics. The only way to remove the politics is somebody has to be willing to step up and apologize to our unhoused community for ignoring them for so long. To our veterans, our unhoused, we've ignored you. We're sorry. We didn't realize. We Now we know we can do better. This has forced us to see it better. We're going to help all of you and get everyone on board. Why is that message so difficult? Because people don't want to say they, were, they made a mistake. That's number one. And number two is because then the power goes because you have to listen to the unhoused and the migrants to decide how to best resolve it. And no one wants it. The po- po- politicians don't want to give up that power. Let's take a break here. We're in studio with guest co-host today. Carmen Navarro-Jacone joins us. We'll continue when we come back. We'll take your calls in just a moment because they don't want to rush anybody. Uh, I also don't, I, I have to figure out how to like, I do need a time limit on <laughs> some of the phone calls because we do have guests coming up uh, and we're going to come up with audio. Like I need a bell. Uh, yeah, we'll figure it out. More in a moment on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal. The number is 773-763-9278 to call or text us. More in a moment on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal. Patty Vasquez is taking your calls now at 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez now on WCPT 820. We are in studio with guest co-host Carmen Navarro-Jercone. I want to uh, open up the phone lines. I apologize. I know some of you have been on hold. I uh, just wanted to settle in with Carmen and start our conversation. We've been talking about the situation in Chicago that continues to be a, uh, a really a struggle for everyone in regards to migrants to and, and to the unhoused population in yeah. our city. And, and people like you know, we can go back and forth on language. We can whatever you want to say. But 
homelessness really became much more widespread in the 80s after policies that uh, Ronald Reagan had put into place, in particular, uh, drawing down expenditures on mental health supports. So there's I mean, this has been going on for a long time, but it has come to a point where we've we've known for years we didn't have 24 hour 24 seven warming centers like they would close or or kick people out in the morning. and have to spend it's just crazy. And then line back up in the evening. Yeah. Yeah. Dan in Romeoville is joining our conversation. How you doing, Dan? Hey, ladies. Good to talk to you. You know, I'm very frustrated by so many of these issues, but amongst other things, you mentioned empty buildings. We have two completely empty prisons here in Illinois. I'm not saying lock anybody up, lock the homeless up, but these places have beds, they have showers, they have facilities, and they just sit there with the weeds growing up around them. Why couldn't we use some of those facilities? I've never got uh, an answer. To house some of these people. I've never really got <laughs> I know that but Pritzker had said that we have plenty of buildings where there are, we closed 50 schools on the south and west side in the last decade. Uh, I mean, you know. Those yeah, but you saw what happened when they tried to use some of the schools. The neighborhoods pushed back. The yes. neighborhoods pushed back and the neighborhoods pushed back again because they got no formal apology admitting that they were ignored for so long and we're sorry and now we want to do it right. So the neighborhood pushed back because they felt you're not going to continue to ignore us and then give help to somebody, you know, somebody else. Um, but I, I don't know why they wouldn't use um the prisons. Yeah, you'd have to change the face of it, get rid of the wire, get rid of. But I mean, that all could have been done already. Like, I I, I, I don't know. Um, it no, definitely yeah. would have been better than a tent city. Yeah. Yeah. On poison we have ground. One prison in Illinois that, we built one prison in Illinois that we've never had an inmate there. <laughs> but also, Patty and you guys, I'm I'm very alarmed. I'm afraid, you guys, that Trump is going to win this election. And I'll tell you why. I deal, as you know, Patty, I'm an Uber driver and I deal with people and I pick up a lot of especially elderly white people, people in their 70s and 80s. And the Republicans are so good at playing on their fears. These people see Trump as their protector from the dark skinned people. And they uh, they they say things, well, what about our homeless? What about this? What about that? Right. but, of course, some of these people don't want to help our homeless either. Right. That's, <laughs> that's, I'm very, very worried, yeah. Patty. Yeah, no, you, you bring up another good point, which is, you know, the, the people that I see, and I don't want to get any specifics in my community talking about the homeless, what about our homeless, who I never heard say anything about uh, our homeless before yeah. this debacle. You know, we're mm. not out there saying we need to do more for our homeless folks. And that's not, not across the board, because there are people who are conservatives in this neighborhood who I have worked with to help get people into warm and safe places, gotten hotel rooms for them. When we knew, like two years ago, when we were dropping below zero, uh, and people, I've told people, I I work with with Republicans and Democrats on on issues that help our communities, uh, and and then they start sending me stuff with Candace Owens on. I'm like, we need to stop our conversation right here and just work on... Let's just take a couple steps back. (laughs) But but, no, you're right. I mean, I think that uh, the... Folks who are worried about immigration are being played to. This is this entire drama, and the, the goal of this was to divide us, mm-hmm. divide communities that might otherwise vote for Democrats, make people who are already worried about their safety or their their you know their future or what they what they feel like they've earned. Right, older people. Right. Um, I I then they don't seem to be paying attention when Republicans flat out say they want to cut Social Security and Medicaid. Mm. 
I, do, do any of those folks, the writers well, that you have, know that Republican, like Speaker Mike Johnson, has yeah. said that well, if we if women would just keep having babies and not have abortions, then maybe we won't cut Social Security. Like that's their offer on the table. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that you guys, and also, I think the Democrats have always been, as long as I've been alive in my sixty-four years, just terrible at their messaging, and often progressive groups with good intentions provide the Republicans the right with hanging curveballs, like with some of the terminology we use, like defund the police. Uh, we know Which, what they really meant by I that, but that was, that was just that was downright run, stupid. But that was amplified by <laughs> conservatives to scare people. So let me ask you this, yeah. because I, you know we've we've talked a lot about this, and I and I think it's not as much perhaps right that we're terrible at messaging. Is that what would you like me to scare people with? Because that's what they're good at. They're mm-hmm. good at manipulating emotions. That's what they do louder and better than we do. And here's the other thing: they create they like I I feel like. As a former law enforcement officer, my issue is that uh, I feel our profession is getting used and abused by both sides. And I feel it's going to be amplified this year. That's so fair. you have the Republicans talking about, oh, uh, we, we need to you know, support our police and we need to be there because we need to start locking people up. So you make the other side believe that you're going to use law enforcement to do all this uh, racial, you know, profiling and, and, and just make arrests and throw people away and not care. And then you have the other right. side saying, you know, we, we, you know, police are all bad. They're shooting unarmed people. They're doing all these bad things. They're the enemy. And at the end of the day, the only people that suffer is the community. Law enforcement, yes, the profession suffers to an extent, but not to the degree that the community itself suffers. And I feel like mm-hmm. with the migrant issue, it's the same thing both sides and and what the republicans at patty as you said are better at is playing at the emotions they get the emotions the other side can't even think logically anymore because they're they're angry oh they're angry because they're going to use the police to do this now we're mad at the police and then who doesn't get to speak law enforcement doesn't get to speak for themselves yeah Right. Remember Willie Horton, you guys. Exactly. Hey, thank you so That's much. But but no, but but Dan, before you go, like, what would be, what could we, I yeah. mean, what kind of fear tactics, right? Because we tr- we did say well, for years they're going to take abortion rights away, and everyone was like, "You're being hysterical." Mm-hmm. Oh, calm down. And like, even to the point where Democrats felt comfortable because you know everyone was told them it's established law of the land, and it's, it's gone. And so you know we were. Well, go ahead. Well, Patty, in every conversation I would ever have from here until the election inform people that most of these people on the right, the far right, who support Trump uh, oppose abortion even in cases of rape and incest, even when it's a minor. They got to hammer that over and over and over again. They don't believe us. They don't. I, I, I agree with yeah. you. I agree yeah. with you. But uh, it, look, because we did say that and we did say, you know, even in the cases of a woman's safety, her health and well-being. And they and in Texas, they don't care. They don't care. They the, this woman had to leave the right. state because she had a, a fetus with a non-viable disease disorder. Uh, and they were like, no, you can't have an abortion, even if it's going to destroy your body or put you in danger or possibly you can't have babies after this. They didn't care. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. ladies, thank, thank you, you very much. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Dad. Yeah, I don't I don't know what to make people. I mean, that's 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 the thing. That's the whole idea of it bleeds, it leads, right? Yeah. So and and we have our flamethrowers. We have some Dems like Jasmine Crockett is a badass. She is oh my god. Listen, I, I could sit back and, and <laughs> pop some popcorn and listen to her. Oh my god. All I've gotten to the point where I don't want people to think like I'm strange, but I've I've been YouTubing and just felt She's like my life. What, what did yes. she say? Yeah. This time, because she keeps it so real. Yeah. And she says it and it it, it makes sense and it's just to the point and they don't know how to handle her. And I love watching it. It's so much fun. So much fun. Let's let's stay on immigration for another conversation. Steve in the Gold Coast. Hey, Steve. uh, How are you doing today? Fine, thank you. And I, I would like to offer a sort of different perspective in that I absolutely agree with you. I mean, the, most of us who are rational people, you know, we want to do what we can for the, these people who are fleeing to this country for a better life. Uh, we certainly want to be supportive in that way. However, I, I do draw the line in some ways when it comes to political pragmatism. Many Democrats have talked about, you know, this becoming for our party what uh, the abortion issue became for Republicans. And we don't want it hung around our, our necks come uh, the 2024 election. And so the question then is, okay, can we have some sort of moderate policies that are viewed by the progressive wing of our party as being draconian? So in other words, the, you know, ha- having more judges in terms of immigration courts, yeah. having aggressive enforcement with regard to uh, people who, you know, if, if your asylum claim is invalid and it's ruled as such, okay, there needs to be a streamlined system so that we can send the message to independents and moderate Democrats that, yes, this administration is prepared to enforce our immigration laws. Because, again, I want to help people. But if it's at the risk of losing the 24 election to Donald Trump, no. I'm sorry. I, I place Americans first uh, over people who have come here seeking help. If that's my choice, so that's that's the risk well, we and, have. And, and, again, to that, so- and to that, Steve, you saw. I, I'm guessing in the last few days, you saw where Speaker Mike Johnson didn't. You know, the the Republicans were pressuring him not to come up with an agreement for the budget because they were waiting to see what Donald Trump had to say. He doesn't want to have any deal on the border that will make the Democrats look good in this election year. They don't want to do anything that might help. Right. With exactly. The, yeah. They they don't want a deal. They don't want a solution. They want the issue, yeah, especially they want the until issue. the election. That's exactly, exactly. that's so, exactly I mean, right. You should make a t-shirt that so, says yeah, I mean, that. Exactly. I mean, and that was what they, that's what they wanted for, for several generations with regard to uh, abortion. I mean, basically, they catered to, to their base and people who were pro-life, single-issue voters. Uh, again, yes, we want to repeal it. We want to repeal it. In reality, when they actually had a chance to repeal it, the adults in the party were shaking their head. Oh, my God, what is this going to do to us? And we found out what it did to them. You know, I mean, people are still going to be voting in 2024 on that issue, you know, and it's not going to be in favor of Republicans. So uh, there, there are sort of two Republican parties in that regard. The people who actually thought that a lot of Republican leadership wanted this repeal. And then there are the others who knew that, okay, we we need need this to galvanize the base. But in reality, we just need the issue. Well, uh, it's the same thing on immigration. You know, they want the issue. They don't want they don't want a resolution. No, no, they don't want to do anything. They won't do anything to to make life, life better for anybody. No, no. Suffering. Why? Yeah, and Why? That's the other. That's the other. I mean, they are, they are the, the party of no. I mean, they, they, when you, uh, there is literally no Republican platform. I, I just got back from D.C. They don't have anything as far as their convention this summer. I mean, this is this is an ongoing thing with regard to where the Republican Party stands. The Democrats are going to have a, a platform. You may agree with it. You may disagree, but it'll exist. 
Donald Trump has been talking about the same things for uh, almost eight years, things that never materialize. A health care plan that's been coming, you know, and a plan for, you know, month after month, year after year that never happens. Uh, border security, international relations, you name it. You know, it's always right around the corner. We'll be introducing it next week. Next week never comes. No. No, oh, no, no, no. Get him a, a beautiful solution, a beautiful plan. Yet, yet they all keep believing him, though. Yeah. No. Well, we, 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 will be, we will be tired of winning all of it. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, we all heard it. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Have a, great, take care. have a great evening. Thank, thank you. Let's take a break here and t- continue our conversation. We come back on WCPTA 20 Heartland Signal in studio with guest co-host Carmen Navarja Cohen. I'm your host, Patty Vasquez. We're driving it home till 7. Coming up in the show, we have a couple of guests coming up. I know at 630, we're going to talk to some folks about uh, how to train your brain as we get older, uh, which is a conversation I think many of us want to uh, listen to because yeah. I don't care how old you are. It's never too early to start or too late. It has I always, started for me, so I, thank you very I, much. I used have this joke like you know when you walk into a room and you forget what you were looking for i've walked in I, I, just wait till you walk into a room and go where am i that'll, yeah. that'll be yeah, scary that, that, that's scary <laughs> it's a scarier yeah well, what's the, but i do hate walking into a room going what why am i in here what did i walk in here for so some exercises some brain exercises and, and things to look out for when we come uh later on in the show and our friend uh, uh our friend uh, Lorenzo Santos, who's running for the congressional first, is going. Lorenz, Lorenzo Santos, Lorenzo. Is going to, yeah, yeah, he's going to be here uh, on the phone because I want him out knocking on doors. I, I hope I don't tease him too hard because I asked his campaign manager how many doors they've knocked on. And what we're, is his answer? We're going to have a talk with uh, oh, Lorenzo at six okay. o'clock. More after this on WCPT eight twenty Heartland Signal. I'm Kirk Bankstead from the Monaco Brewing Company, and I sell Choice Hard Seltzer, an all-natural grapefruit and lime-flavored booze that you can enjoy for only 100 calories a can. A percentage of the proceeds of each can sold goes to reproductive rights groups in the Chicagoland area. Enjoy a light, refreshing hard seltzer and support reproductive freedom at the same time. Now available at Provisions Uptown Chicago and R&J Wine and Spirits in Glenview, as well as Eastside Cafe, Coffee and Wine Bar in East Dundee, where Kate is serving up smiles and drink responsibly. Patty Vasquez is taking your calls now at 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez now on WCPT 820. Thank you so much for joining us as we drive it home till 7. I'm your host, Patty Vasquez. Joining me in studio is our guest co-host, Carmen Navarro-Jacone, former candidate for Cook County Sheriff, former uh, member of Cook County Sheriff's Department. Correct. Uh, officer. Would you say, do you say officers or sheriffs? or what do you Deputies. Say? Deputies. Mm-hmm. Deputy. Deputy. Reminds me, of the, the, who was the, the dog, the deputy? Wait, I have to think of the cartoons. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh. Somebody will know. Somebody will call us and tell us what the yeah, deputy dog no, was. It I, deputy dog? I don't know. I thought he had a, the big white. Yeah. The, yeah. I don't remember his name. but yeah. Jim's on the line. Hey, Jim. How are you doing? What's on your mind, my friend? It, it was deputy dog. Yes, was, yeah, deputy, there you go. Thanks, dog. Jim. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, this, there was a decision that came out of the Supreme Court yeah. to take the razor wire down in Texas. What surprised me, the four seafarers on the court uh, felt that they should keep the razor wire up. Well, if Harley Crow and their yachting down around the Galveston area or Brownstone, that, that could scrape the yacht, the side of the yacht, and, and damage it. Uh, so I'm surprised that they... Yeah, right. Decided to keep. Decided to keep the. Uh, you think they'd be the worst person? Well, let's keep the sea free because we got to do a lot of sailing. You know, the reason I called is uh, the the GOP, uh, the Grand Old Party's front runner. His behavior in court. All I can think of is his biography. He went to a military school. 
whatever he did, but nobody's ever taught him to be a gentleman. He does not know how to act like a gentleman. And in court, uh, he what an example to the kids and everybody else. I mean, everybody was growing up. You know, George Washington, we couldn't tell a lie. He chopped out a cherry tree and so on and so forth. But it was effective in getting you to love America. This this guy has got he doesn't have a gentleman bone in his body. Well, Carmen, I mean, who could act like that? Who could act like that in court and get away with here, it? Here, Carmen, you've been in Go court ahead. in courtrooms, yes, for for decades. What? Can you can you imagine someone behaving this way? A judge oh. has to repeatedly tell him to shut the hell yeah. up. Yeah. So first of all, Jim, my husband texted me while you answered. He's like, "Deputy dog." Like I should have known that. He texts me. So thanks, Mike, yes, for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Second of all, yeah, I've been in court. You would be. You would be amazed at how many people over and over again um, where the judge has to remind them to behave, where as a deputy, you have to continue to remind people to behave, not only to how to address the court, but even how to address the court staff as a deputy in the courtroom. The uh, remarks that are that were made to us um, were crude. And I'm not talking about the individuals in the lockups. I'm talking about some state's attorneys, some public defenders, sometimes some judges. So, you know, um, it goes to the culture of that room. So he's that's how he's lived his life is behaving that way. So to him, the courtroom is no different. Right. Yeah. But you would think you would think that you would want the. The best you want you want to be on your best behavior in court. I mean, I, I want it to go smoothly. I, I don't want to uh, bring attention to myself in any. Uh, Did you see? Uh, Jim, I don't know if you saw. I, I, I don't think you're on social media very much, but there was a this is video. No, no. I can't remember where it was where the guy like leaped over the bench and, and attacked, attacked, the attacked her, mm-hmm. attacked the sergeant, whoever the officer was. That was a clerk. That no, was the, a court the clerk, clerk. Had head wounds. Yeah, against the wall and the flagpole. Yeah, it was. Uh, there's something. But the t- it, yeah. Yeah, but he, but he's he's not a good example for the for the Republicans to uh, be voting for this guy who's completely he has no regard for behavior anywhere, especially in court. And you raped somebody. No, but the other it. yeah, but the other thing, Jim, is if you believe you're above the law, yes. why would you behave in the courtroom? Everything about this man has shown us that the law does not apply to him. Rules do not apply to him. He can call women derogatory names. He can grab them the way he'd want to grab them. He he can he can break any laws and the rules do not apply to him. So that is not going to change inside of that courtroom. Thanks for calling. Jim. Well, it'll, it, yep. it'll change. Take care, yep. guys. Thanks. Thank Bye-bye. you very much. Let's get to uh, Mirna. Hey, Mirna, what's on your mind? Hey, you asked about how can we motivate people uh, to get them to vote. Uh, no, I said, how do we make them angry? <laughs> <laughs> what do you want me okay. to do to scare okay, people? Well, <laughs> okay, here you go. You go into uh, the dominant uh, Republican neighborhoods, uh, distribute flyers that say you're going to be in trouble if you vote for Trump because he is going to end Taco Tuesdays <laughs> and have, and have place margaritas at your favorite Mexican restaurants. They're going to yeah. be outlawed under Trump, so you don't want that. So there, that's, that's the best we can do. They're doing they're all these uh, waiting who are Republican. Yeah, they're going to be suffering when they find out no more Taco Tuesdays. Yeah, and since they yeah. don't bother to check facts. Okay, they're really bad. <laughs> well, hey, you know, we got it made. We won. You know, here's a here's a thing, though, also, Myrna. Uh, Yeah, I hope you're still listening as uh, I will tell you that as a Puerto Rican, I unfortunately have some Puerto Rican cousins who are Republicans. Mm 
Um, and I don't know, like, I, I can't even, like, rationalize. I've run into, there, there are some Latinos who are for Trump. Oh, sure. And I don't understand, like, where, the, I'm like, how, how machismo is yeah, a big I'm part like, of make it. me under, make me understand, like, make it make sense. And, why, and why, I don't why, why get do it. Understand? But if they don't want to understand us, why do we have to understand them at all? They're not coming to diners to talk to Biden voters. Yeah, I they just don't, don't get the Latinos yeah. that are for Trump. Like, I don't, I don't get that. So yeah. I guess that's what I want to understand. Look at all the Cubans that are for him. I mean, they came from where? Yeah, well, Cuba? that's yeah. They, yeah. Well, we talked about this before. We've we've talked yeah, about and they they doing something over him, but you know, with Trump instead of Castro. It's so, it's familiar. You know, where's the line? Yeah, that's it. It's just yeah, it's hard to understand. It's, yeah, the but, devil yeah, you know happens. is easier than the devil you don't. Maybe is yeah. that what it is? Yeah, that's what it is. Wow. Exactly. Hey, thanks, yeah. Mirna. <laughs> Have a good one. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Steve in Chicago. Okay, everyone's got background noise. What's going on today? What, do you have the windows rolled down? What's happening, Steve? Um, I'm walking down Devon Avenue. Oh, okay. oh there you go. <laughs> What's up? Yeah. Um, I just wanted to chime in a little bit on courtroom decorum. Um, about 10 years ago, I was a juror on a murder trial. And uh, so we come to the conclusion, we've, con- you know, we've convicted the guy. Judge brings us back into the courtroom. We all sit down. Judge reads the verdict. The defendant leaps out of his chair and comes running at the jury box. Oh my God! And the bailiff, yeah, the bailiff grabbed him and body slammed him to the floor. Oh, oh I'm just waiting in one of these trials to see that happen to Trump. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I like where that went, Steve. <laughs> you see, like lunging for yeah. the judge. Yeah. Oh my God. For for, I, for the I could see him do it. I can remember do it. on January sixth, he, he lunged. He lunged for the driver. The driver wasn't going to take him to the Capitol. It was only because yeah. the Secret Service grabbed his arm and said, "No, we are not going to the Capitol." Yep. He would have got. He would have put his hands on that driver. Yeah. Yeah, that would be. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens because I still have faith that um, the right thing's going to happen and justice will be served. And we'll see his. We'll we'll see his reaction. But I'd like to see that, Steve. Too. I I'd actually like to be the deputy sheriff in that courtroom. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Steve. Be well. Be safe. Thanks. Sounds a little sounds a little rainy out there. Yeah. It's supposed to rain in the next couple of days. I do want to say, uh, I know we have somebody watching on Facebook that uh, says they want, he wants to change the mindset of all of us that support women's access to reproductive health, you know, and all the all the abortions that have happened since Roe v. Wade. Okay. Uh, in my lifetime, I've had an, I've had a miscarriage. I had a miscarriage at about nine weeks, and uh, and the thing is, it like I barely even knew that I, I didn't even know I was pregnant until I had the miscarriage, which was at nine weeks, and I just. I happen to have a very uh, it's it's disgusting to talk about and heartbreaking because Steve and I were trying to get pregnant and in states right now because of the way I lost the, the the fetus was when I was in the bathroom and I thought I was having a very heavy menstrual cycle and it wasn't and there are places where women are being charged with having lost a fetus. Yeah, and, and what they need to understand is that, um, unfortunately, because it isn't your body, 
Um, it doesn't happen the same way to everyone. No. Um, there isn't a book like at this period of time, you know, you're pregnant. This is when, um, you can do this about it. If this happens to you, then that's the, no, cause every, every woman's body yes. is different. Right. And, and because of that, you right. can't write s- strict um, you have to let us be grown ups and have control over our own body. I, I know you don't like that, but yep. we know our bodies best. And, and our body and anything growing in our body. Yeah. More after this on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. Hello, hello. Thank you for hanging out with us. And hi to our friends in Minneapolis, St. Paul, listening on KTNF 950 AM. Joining me in studio is Carmen Navarro-Jacone. She's my guest co-host today. And I'm excited to introduce her to our first guest of this hour, which is Lorenzo Santos, who's running for the first congressional seat of Southern Wisconsin, in Southern Wisconsin. Hey, Lorenzo, how's it going? Great. How you doing? How you doing, Carmen, Patty? Good to be here. <laughs> hey, Lorenzo. She was just asking me if this is your first time running for office, and off the top of my head, I could not remember. Have you run before? This is my first time. Yeah, All first right. timer. So you're talking to two former candidates. Uh, how do you put it? Do you say that you were not successful, or you fell short, or do you say you lost? I say I was screwed. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, hers was very specific. They yes. they they used uh, they, they changed a law. Yeah, they they changed a law to keep her off the ballot. Oh, wow. So, but she was in the campaign mode and was running a great campaign. So you have uh, two former candidates. Yes, uh, uh, who were unsuccessful in their pursuit. One was screwed. Uh, well, we don't have to go to my race. But Lorenzo. So I mean, I'm sure you've talked to people who've run races before. Do they, do they give you horror stories or do they, because we want to give you mostly the positive, positive stuff? Yes. Yes. They, you know, people are honest, and it's you, you both know very well. It's it's a slog, and it's a marathon, and and it's a lot of uh, you know hard work. So I, I don't want people to sugarcoat it for me. But, sure. Uh, yeah, they, they're pretty honest usually. I, I will say it, it. So I ran just as the world was shutting down. My uh, primary the night was March seventeenth, twenty twenty. So it is a marathon, and I think this is true in any race. It's a marathon until it's a friggin' sprint. I mean, the last couple of days are insane. I'm excited for you. I think this is important, and I'm so grateful that you're running uh, for this seat because Wisconsin needs people like you. So tell us a little bit for folks who are listening because we do have a, a Wisconsin listenership. Uh, tell folks yeah. what compelled you. What was the the inspiration for you to decide? to throw your hat in the ring for this race? Yeah, two things. I mean, really, today we face the 51st anniversary of Roe versus Wade, and this is the United States of America. You know, reproductive rights are women's rights. They are human rights. They're not up for debate. Those decisions, like I've heard you you talking about on the show earlier, talking about the Kate Cox situation in Texas. You know, what Kate had to go through, what her husband, Justin, and her had to go through as a family is terrible. No one should face that in the United States. And what the GOP wants to do is they want to make it so that you can't even go to another state. So in the entire U.S., there's there's going to be nowhere for you to go to be able to get that uh, treatment that you need. That in, in a lot of cases, it's life-saving treatment. So right. that's number one, just to see Rovers the way re- repealed. And the GOP, they, they have no shame. Uh, they're all about power. This is only their first opening salvo. They they have more and lots more that they want to accomplish. Uh, we need to stop them. This is our line in the sand. And also, just democracy itself, 
We just had January 6th pass again. And the fact that we had an insurrection and the guy who incited that insurrection is the GOP presumptive nominee, and it's not even close, is horrifying. Yeah. That, that shows you what the Republican Party is about. That's their leader. That's who they want to follow. And we can't have that. We, we cannot accept that. We have got to beat this guy. We've got to show him and all his would-be wannabes that if you act like him, you're not going to be president of the United States, not in the United States of America. And if you want to follow his lead as a down-ballot candidate in state legislatures or in Congress, you're not going to be there very long. I, I've i been wrestling with this all weekend as I watched the, you know, the aftermath of Iowa and then DeSantis withdrawing from the race yesterday and Nikki Haley just all over the place on race, on how she's been discriminated against and all. And like it just, it, it's mind blowing. Like it's, there's so many things. Make it make sense. I keep right. saying it over yeah. and over again. Make it make sense. Make it make sense. But like, you know, I agree with you, Lorenzo, because it isn't as it, it, he's always been who he is. Donald Trump has always been a con man. He's always been out for the grift. I saw this horrifying story about this man who had been a, a contractor. Like, he asked his friend, should I take this job? And the, his friend was like, I don't think so. He's not paying his bills. And, you know, so the guy was was owed $3.5 million, uh, sued Trump, only was able to get $1.2 million, had to sell all of his equipment, paid off all of his debts, and then killed himself. Right. And, and I, I mean, like, this is a kind of a businessman, kind of a human being he is. And for me, I'm just I'm struggling with the people who support him, who are hateful. And I feel I hate to say I feel like I'm voting against them as much as I'm voting for Biden. I'm not even voting against Trump. I'm voting against the hatred in this country. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, that, that's that's the only way we can afford to look at it. I guess. Does that make sense, Lorenzo? I'm so tired of the hatred. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I'm when I'm on calls with folks and, and I, I've even talked to Republicans, conservatives, they talk to me and they say, look, you know, I know you're a Democrat, but we've got to work together. We've got to find some consensus going forward. You know, a lot of this vitriol and animosity. First of all, how we're we are a divided government. We can't get the kind of solutions and the kind of progress that we need if we're always against each other. And, and you were talking about the immigration situation that's happening right now. You know, what's interesting is we've seen Democratic presidents actually have very robust immigration that if it would have been a president, uh, a Republican doing those same things, they would have been so happy yep. because, you know, presidents like Obama, even Biden is taking a hard tack. Right now, he's deported and more people than Trump did. How are people not exactly. seeing that in less time? I'm sorry. Good, Lorenzo. It's your, it's your no, turn. <laughs> that's exactly right. I mean, it, it, it's what we're looking at is if this were a Republican, if it were Nikki Haley, if it were Donald Trump, if it were anyone else, they'd be super ecstatic. But they do not want to give a Democratic president a win. And just like with Obama, you know, Mitch McConnell already decided with his weird, you know, conniving in the background, we're just gonna do everything we can to make this guy have as many losses as possible, no matter how good the policy sounded to them. They don't care. And they don't care about immigration, even if the immigration law or immigration policy is what they want. They just don't want to give Biden any wins, especially this close to you know the, the next election. And, and, and that is just cynical politics. But 
you know, that's normal. We've, we've always seen that. You're running for such an important seat because, you know, look, I, I've been trying to talk to folks who uh, are upset like in Iowa. They're very angry about, you know, how much everything costs. They're mad about the economy. That's what we saw in interview yeah. after interview. And I'm like, that's at the state level. You guys, their minimum wage in Iowa is $7.25 an hour. And they are lowering child labor laws. The same thing is happening in Wisconsin. I'm yeah. sure that, Lorenzo, you've seen the story about this high school kid who died in a sawmill accident. He and his brother would get up at like 530 in the morning, drive to the sawmill, and he, he got killed right. on the job as a teenager because wow. they want they want more kids to go to work. Uh, you know what? When it comes to talking to people in your district, are they uh, are uh, are you getting a little bit of a mix of I, I can't wait for Trump to be back. I want him to be my dictator. Uh, I mean, no, but he I mean, he has said he's yeah. going to be a, they've already yeah. put it out there. Or are they concerned but not willing to vote for a Democrat? Or are they like, yeah, I'm, I'm done with the Republican. Like, are you getting a mix of all those things? Yeah, and that's a great question. What I will say is, you know, a lot of my calls are targeted, obviously, towards the Democratic base. But, sure. um When I do happen upon a Republican, you know, I've had good conversations with them. And it's, sometimes it's been, hey, you know, based on my policies, based on what I, I believe, I'm probably not your candidate, but we've had good conversations and we've actually agreed on quite a bit. So that's where we need to be. And this is a purple district. This is a purple State. Actually, is it can be winnable. It's very winnable for a Democrat. Now, what has to happen is we have to have those conversations, and we have to talk to one another, and we have to figure out, you know, where those those points of agreement are, and, and work from there. What, and work from there. But we we are at the fifty first anniversary of Roe versus Wade, and I can tell you what. Brian Stiles' policies are not. They are not representative of the 1st District of Wisconsin, and they do not stand up for his constituents, many of which do not agree with his stance on abortion. He, he thinks that it's up to him and the federal government to legislate a woman's right to choose, and it is not. And that alone is something that, that he needs to figure out, because that, that is going against what the majority of this country wants. Right. That is going against just basic human decency and human rights in this country, and we can't have that. He, he, I, I don't understand why they keep doing that, even if, even though they see that that's not what the country wants, but uh, that, that seems to be the direction that the GOP doesn't really care. So they, they will have to uh, incur the, the consequences for that. What, you know, when I ran for office, uh, you know, there's, there's generally a an inciting situation. You know, for me, I'm the mother of a child who has severe disabilities, and we are one of the worst states in the country when it comes to support services from childhood to, to from birth to the grave, essentially. Yeah. And so and I, that's the, so, you know, when you are in office, you know, somebody who has a mission like that to move a state forward, it's you have to build a coalition, but you need someone who leads that charge like their hair is on fire and there is no tomorrow. It has to be yeah. done now. What is your hair on fire sense of urgency? Should you have this? office? Well, number one, again, it goes back to reproductive rights. We need okay. to make sure like that Roe is codified at the federal level. Human rights, end of story. No, there is no room for debate there. But here's the thing we, we look at. We look at education and we look at every single time you hear pro-choice. I don't understand how this party gets away with trying to stay at a pro-choice and trying to say that also they're patriotic because you got, you got a party. <laughs> I agree, that, like, right? It makes no sense. As soon as as soon as you're born, right, you're on your own. We we do not care if you have health care. We do not want you being treated with dignity and respect. 
pronouns, you don't have the dignity of being treated in such a way that who you know you are in your heart of hearts, they don't care. Uh-huh. They, they do not want you to be able to play sports in school. And sports, actually, that builds your character. That builds your social skills. But if, if you are trans, the GOP, they want you basically ostracized. That's not okay. So as soon as you're born, the GOP, you know, they say they're pro-life, but as soon as you're born, they just want you, you know, out the door. They do, they do not care about how you feel about yourself. They do not want you to make a living wage. In 2024, inflation, the cost of living, wages have not kept up. So if you want people to live off of seven twenty-five, but you want a raise when you're making $174,000, and the, most of the people in your district, a lot of them cannot pay most of their bills. They are one bill away from economic ruin. You can't tell me you're pro-life. When kids are in school and they, you don't want them to have a free breakfast or lunch so that they can concentrate. Yeah, that part. You're telling them there's no, they, they try to say, oh, there's no such thing as, uh, you know, um, Inequity in the world. Well, right. if you, you send kids to school and some of these kids had a great breakfast and some didn't, you tell me that they're going to be able to concentrate on school and then go home and maybe they don't have internet and their their counterparts do have internet because Brian Stiles didn't want broadband for a lot of Wisconsinites, even though the Biden administration made that happen anyway. They, you look at their policy and you just you understand exactly how they feel about it, even when we talk about gun control gun safety in this country. They say they're pro-life, but we are watching our children go into schools and we do not know if they can come back safe. And one of the worst parts of my job is making sure that we are protecting these kids from gun violence when we should be getting rid of the symptoms to begin with. And we should not be talking about putting guns in teachers' hands. Teachers do not get paid enough to do what they do. And in Kenosha, watching schools close because you got these same pro-lifers who are essentially running our public schools out of the district and then building voucher schools right on top of them, which ensures that students are going to get left behind. Unless you make a certain amount, you're not going to be able to get into those schools. And only a certain amount of kids are actually going to be able to attend those schools in the first place. And if you have a special need, those schools do not care about you. So I just I watch all of their policies, and they don't make sense if they are pro-life because, honestly, none of their policies in the aggregate support a life that is well-lived. They actually just, you know, it, it, the only time I see them supporting anyone is when it's giving tax cuts to the rich. And Donald Trump just recently said he plans to do it again. I think something so, Patty you know, said earlier, too, where she was uh, talking about what, what it is. One of the callers me- mentioned that, you know, uh, Republicans have always been better at the messaging. And then Patty said, it's not. It's that they it's it's. It's the message itself as far as fear, using fear to incite, you know, anger. And so I think like even even what you're describing as as I'm sitting here listening, it all makes perfect sense. Right. But you have to have the time and be in a proper frame of mind to follow and connect the dots. And so what I think is that the Republicans aren't trying to the the voters right now are 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 afraid 
and they're only listening to the triggers. They're only listening to the fires, to where the sirens are going off. So when you hear you have to be afraid, crime is up here, murder rate is up here, um, migrants are going to take over there. And that's where you get people to focus on the squirrel, squirrel, and people are busy, you know, turning their heads. You don't take the time emotionally, your adrenaline is on 10, and you can't take the time to listen to your rational explanation. So I hear what you're saying, but I, I think that's where we're failing. Like, we, we need to calm the voters down enough to listen to what's really going on. So how do we get, like, do how are you able right now, and, and are you able, I don't know, as you're out there um delivering your message, have you been able to calm people down enough to listen to and to get them to connect those dots? Uh, That's a great question, Carmen, and I I will say I agree with you. And um, my first job is not to get them to listen. My first job is to listen to them. Oh, nice. Um, Nice. Yep. Always, always. That's my first question when I call folks. Here's here's, here's what we're, we're seeing. Brian Stiles does not represent this district, and we need someone that will. And when I wake up every day during this election cycle, I need to understand in my bones what it is I'm running for, who it is I'm running for, what they're going through. And that's why I ask. That, that, is my, that is my why. And I always ask that question. And I, and I do understand vehemently that... First of all, people don't feel that they're being listened to. And I will tell you, a lot of times, I'm the first candidate that's run for Congress that they've ever heard, that's ever asked them that question. And, and it's really eye-opening when people, they, they're, they're taken by surprise. And that shouldn't be the case. They should not be so surprised that, that someone who wants to be a public official is asking them what they want. Because that's the whole point. We should be representing our constituents. We should be representing what they need and the fact that they're surprised that, that, that I'm calling to ask that question, that that already is very telling. Yeah, it's very telling. Exactly. So. What what can we do to help you and support you? One, I know we have a fundraiser coming up in February at the uh, the Wyndham Hotel Comedy Club there in uh, in Kenosha. I'm very excited about that. We're gonna have we're gonna have Dwayne Kennedy and Dina Nina Martinez, who is a, an older woman out of Madison, Wisconsin, also a comedian, the storyteller. So it's gonna be a great show. Uh, super excited about doing that fundraiser with you. Uh, I'm gonna pull up the information while you tell us what we can do to support the work you're doing and volunteering, donating, all the things. Make me want to drive up to Kenosha. Lorenzo. That's right. Absolutely. I am I am very excited about, about the comedy show. Patty was amazing last time I saw her, and we're going to have a, a great lineup, so I'm super, super excited. Um, right now, this weekend, we're going to be doing an event in Racine, downtown Racine, uncorked um, downtown at 6 p.m. on the 27th. That's on Saturday at 6 p.m. So that will be, you know, Kirk Bankstad, the owner of Monaco Brewing Company is going to be there. So if anyone wants to come up to that event to meet us a month early, come on out. Uh, otherwise, I will see you at the comedy show with Patty pretty soon here, and it's going to be a great time. Um, but I will say, look, go to SantosForWisconsin.com. Please check out my, my platform and reach out to the campaign. I do respond even on, uh, on our socials. A lot of times I'm the one responding to folks. So, so make sure you ask your questions. Me, I, I, I want to earn your vote. This is not just because I'm a Democrat. I, I, I want to make sure that, you know, you feel comfortable trusting me um, with 
with your your dreams and your hopes and 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 and, and bringing the fight that we need to have right now because just like Patty said earlier, you know, we a lot of folks thought Roe versus Wade was not going to be touched, and it happened. But we also thought maybe that we wouldn't have an insurrection in our time, and that happened. So we can't take for granted that anything is safe. We have to have people that believe in democracy. We have to have people that believe in the rule of law. We have to have people that, you know, we shouldn't even have to say this, but at a minimum, give a damn about what their constituents want and aren't just off, you know, catering to the the special interests. So... I need, I need your help. I need your support. If you can donate, donate what you can. We are a grassroots campaign, absolutely grassroots. That means that we, we are out there making sure that the only people that I answer to are my constituents, not all these crazy special interests that, you know, you essentially, my opponent basically just does what he's told, and, and it shows in his votes. But I want to only answer to the people of the 1st District of Wisconsin. And you have a primary? Is there a, a, someone else in the uh, Democratic primary? Yes. So okay. I do have a primary. So I, what, I have a primary opponent. And when is, when is the primary? Just so we know, you know we're, we're focused on making sure that we help you in a timely way. Because the sooner, the more he, money and volunteers and people helping out early on, the more it gives the campaign yeah. energy and energy draws energy. Yeah. Absolutely. August 13th is our primary. So we are going to go full speed ahead right now. We are building up our volunteer base. If you go to SantosForWisconsin.com, you can sign up to be a volunteer and, and work with us that way. I know, Pat, I know, Patty, you wanted to, you know, uh, get on me for the canvassing. <laughs> We're working on it. We are getting organized. It's happening. Okay. I'm going to gonna use my inside voice, Lorenzo. She told me that. <laughs> I can't wait to bring a doorbell with you. That's all. I'll get, I'll, I, I, I want to come and help out. I'd love to go door. That's one of my favorite things running for office was meeting people. And that's how you also shape your message. Because, you know, sometimes you get people in a moment of maybe they're cooking dinner. And sometimes, believe me, you're going to get people who are annoyed. But you're going to get more of the people that you mentioned who have never been asked, have never yeah. had a candidate on their front, front porch. And it is so fulfilling. And they'll tell. It's one of those things where it's so impactful for them. You might find somebody who wants to have a coffee, you know, a coffee and pastries yeah. event for you. To that, meet neighbors. that connection is huge. Yeah, I'm so excited for you. I'm excited to work Congratulations. with you. Congratulations. Thank you. It was very Thank nice you. to meet you. I hope to see you soon. You too. Thank you, Carmen. Really yeah. appreciate it. We will see you soon. Again, that's on February 22nd. We're going to be doing uh, the fundraiser Stand Up for Change uh, at Santos for Wisconsin, and it's going to be a night of comedy support, Lorenzo. Uh, go to santosforwisconsin.com to purchase tickets or find out other ways that you can volunteer. Be Dwayne Kennedy, Dina Nina Martinez, and me doing stand up comedy. Have a great night, Lorenzo. It was great talking to you. Thank you both. Take, 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 thank you. Let's take a break. He was listening to the whole show. You yeah. were listening the whole time, Lorenzo. I'm like, oh, we were talking about <laughs> just a little bit. I just, just a I, little. I love door knocking. It's not bad. And it, and it is. I did enjoy that part. I, the, like, I really did enjoy that. Yeah. But everyone will tell you, I, you can't shut me up. So. The worst thing was I had to text one of my uh, volunteers, my my friend Dan Zielkowski, who was uh, I've known since I was 16. I was like, I think you have to come get me. I'm pretty sure I live here now. Because she was so sweet. She was 92 years old, Barbara, who lived around the corner from me. And, uh, she invited me into her hall. She was so sweet. She's like, come on. It's very cold out. Come on. I'm like, okay. You know, and you hate saying no. You got to say no. 
You got to say no. Soon. But I also didn't want her standing in the open door. Yeah. So I was like, it's cold. She's 92. Yeah. Uh, she has the opponent's sign in her window, and she lives around the corner from me. She hadn't met me yet. Uh, but anyways, yeah. So um, she did put my sign up, and she did yeah, vote for me. Uh, she was lovely. But I was there for like 20 minutes, and I'm like, I, I got I to gotta get out of here. Yeah. Well, she's telling me her whole life story, which was great. I loved that part. Yeah. But I, I got to go. Because uh, at that time, the Lindsay, uh, Lori Lightfoot, endorsed Lindsay and was door knocking. Did I ever tell you this? No, that part. That, that's why you saw this look. I, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry what I look like. Came to my block, like all the houses around me. So you're like, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to work. I was just like, I got to go. I, I got to go now. Yeah. I, I was like 20 minutes behind them on every single door. They're like, oh, yeah, the mayor and uh, Lindsay were on my porch a few minutes ago. <laughs> She never ever mentioned again that Lori Lightfoot endorsed her. Of course not. (laughs) More to this on WCPTA 20 Heartland. So when we come back, we're going to talk about brain health as we age. And uh, maybe whether it's for you or someone in your life, this is going to be an important conversation. And I'm looking forward to it. Joining me is Carmen Navarjacone. I'm pointing at her like she didn't know. Her, (laughs) that person. Uh, Carmen Navarjacone, guest co-hosting with me today. Great to have you in studio. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. Oh, I have to make sure that Paul has the phone information for the uh, next guest. Let me see. Did I did I uh, send that? Maybe I don't have it in the doc. Let me double check. Sometimes this is an on-air production meeting. Uh, I do docs. Like some hosts will have like a spreadsheet and like... I, you know what I hate about spreadsheets? I can't keep track from... Oh, are we good? I can't keep track of, like, starting here. I'm like, am I still on the same line? Like, I can't... That's why you'll never see me use a spreadsheet for any... Like, Excel makes me crazy. Well, yeah, that's how I learned to highlight at the end so that no matter where I scroll, it goes. I learned that from my IT guy. Simple oh, things. I just highlight it at the end? Yeah, just I can't. Highlight. Something about my... I don't know if it's my attention or my Probably. vision or something, but I'm like... I have to go... I'm like... Because sometimes the where you started is no longer even on the screen, so I'm like, did I move? Is this, is this where I need no, to be? No, that's why you click on the number. It highlights the entire row for you, Patty. <laughs> okay, fine, then. Well, these are brain tricks. Maybe this is something I need to learn. Yes. Uh, joining us on the line is Joyce Mahoney, CTRS, APRS, Regional Vice President of Memory Care and Programming at Belmont v- Village Senior Living. Uh, I'm not sure what all those letters mean. I probably should have Googled them first. But, Joyce, first of all, I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. Oh, thank you, Patty. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I want to introduce you to Carmen Navarja Cohn. Uh, when I, I talked to her, she's co-hosting with me today as a, as a guest co-host. And I told her we were going to have this conversation. And she mentioned that she's caring for someone in her life who could benefit from this conversation as well. And I think a lot of our listeners, uh, I have a, an elderly mom. I'm getting older. This is yeah. this is for everybody, this isn't is it, This is for everybody. Yeah, it, it, it definitely is. Regardless of our age, you know, we typically figure, um, we take a look at older populations, you know, when we get into our 70s, 80s, 90s, you know, in those decades of life. And then we're concerned about memory impairment or confusion, forgetfulness. But we really should be concerned about this at every decade of life. You know, no matter where you are, we need to take care of our brains. So it should be a concern. It should be on the top of our list to take care of ourselves not just physically, but cognitively as well. Are there like like categories? Because I, you know, I think about this a lot. Like, well, how I treat my body in general, whether it's exercise or nutrition, you know, maybe imbibing too much, things like that. So let's start with the the I guess the physical aspect of, of caring for our brains because we kind of don't think about it. We maybe we'll wake up with a hangover or we feel like we put on a little weight because we're not walking anymore, even though we know that walking or exercising is good just for our emotional health. Yeah. Tell us a little bit of how that impacts our brain health and our memory health. 
Okay. And again, staying and staying socially active, staying physically active, definitely there is the brain-body connection for sure. So, again, staying active, stay moving. Uh, And it doesn't necessarily have to mean going to the gym. But, again, our brain is going to be affected by our physical health as well. So when you talk about not just brain health but other illnesses that could afflict us as we age, such as heart disease, diabetes, we need to keep all of these things into control because, again, everything is interconnected in our bodies. And so, again, if we don't take care of the body, it can affect the brain later on in life as well. Absolutely. And, and, I, and I know one of the, I, I want to write a book someday, and now I'm 52 now, so I figure sometime in the next few years, because I feel like I want to check in with how I'm aging, because I've worked with people who are elderly. It, what I find to be a, a, a point of resistance is being okay with receiving help. And and that's there seems to be a, a, like a like a guard up, uh, and not that that's necessarily a memory thing, but also like a pride thing too. Does that make sense? Uh oh, I stumped Joyce. <laughs> that or she put you might have put us on mute and uh, and we're on mute. Oh no, she's not like that quite. Oh, I don't know. I went off topic. Is that my fault? We no, lost. No, I don't think. No, is she? I thought she's she online. was on. Okay, maybe she's maybe, muted. Maybe. Yeah, she might have muted us on accident. But do you know what I mean? I understand. And that's why I'm saying like I, the, when you were talking to me about it, I'm like, I, I definitely want to be on that segment because my father-in-law is up there in age and we're kind of going back and forth. And he he doesn't feel he needs to kind of like he thinks like getting help means that he's giving up his independence. Right. And so that that's the struggle. Like, we're not saying he's completely forgetful now, but um, we all know, and that, that's why I, I wanted to ask Joyce, too, like, um, stress, like they used to call it pregnancy brain. Like, when you're pregnant, you forget things in your mind, and you're like, oh, my gosh, we right. can do this. Well, what happens when you get older? Stress, I'm sure, plays that role. So we just want to help him alleviate some stress, so that it's not affecting him mentally as much. So yeah. I, I, I don't know I like what I they do. It, it can be connected because yeah. if you're not able to accept the help and, and like then you're getting angry, it can affect your emotional well being and your you know, your brain health. And I, I kinda think. feel like it's a spiral. Yeah, I agree. But I'm not the doctor. I'm not, so that's what I, I'm, I'm not. I'm like, yeah. that's what that's what I believe. But um I believe a lot of things that <laughs> That are not exactly true. Yeah, so um, I, I um, I've worked with folks and volunteered before, and like my like my dad, even when he was sick, he was only sixty eight. Uh, I've, I've checked all my buttons. I've got all my buttons right. So maybe we just disconnect with Joyce Paul and uh, call her back because I I don't we can't hear her. I don't know if maybe there's a, a, a connection issue on her end. But like when my da- oh is it me? He's coming. He's coming to look at me. Like I I don't think so. This one. Hello. 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 I got that. I've got that. Did she call back? I feel like now it says that she's uh, like hit it again. Maybe I did. We have to... Well, I locked her in so I couldn't okay. hang up on her. Right? I've got everything going. It's yeah. All... yeah. Can you hear her over there? Do you mean... I heard her earlier. Yeah. Yeah. No, we heard her earlier too. Here, let me Hello. See. Here, let me put her on hold real quick and just. I don't know if you want to disconnect and uh, maybe call back. I don't know. Uh, I didn't touch yeah. anything. I just want the record clear <laughs> that Sorry, I Joyce. sat over here with Joyce my hands like, here. Joyce wants to join the conversation. She's like on hold. I don't know what's happening. My hands are um, tied up. Yeah. It's not me. Maybe she didn't like the question. I'm just teasing. Um, but uh, but like my dad would get very, he would get angry at me though too, which makes care very hard Difficult. on the caregiver. Uh, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of different issues to, uh, that to take into into uh, account when it comes to, because there's so many people right and now. And anger is the first emotion they show. I know. 
Let's, uh, hey, Joyce. Yeah, we don't have her on there. I don't know what happened. It's very strange. Saying, oh, there she is. Yes. I can hear her. I can hear her. Hey, Joyce. Hello. Hi. Yes, I'm here. Yes. Oh, we're back. Okay. Right. <laughs> yes, yes. Let's let me just uh, we were kind of talking. I don't know if you heard us talking about, uh, you know, what, what can we do when somebody doesn't, you know, because when you're when you're suffering or dealing with memory issues, you can also get kind of angry about that. It's frustrating, isn't it, for folks? And and so there we, we first let's go for the how to manage those emotions a little bit. Can we work on that, too? Yes, yes. It becomes a very emotional situation, um, and not for everyone, but for some, definitely. I also have a parent who is suffering from dementia as well, and the biggest thing that we come across is that the individual still wants to feel capable because they may not be aware that they have a cognitive deficit, and so they see things as very much being normal, but as an outsider, us looking in, we see the deficits and we're seeing the challenges. But I think in order for them to cooperate and just kind of be open, they need to feel capable that they're still as independent as they believe that they are. And so we just need to start guiding them along and kind of easing into some of these difficult conversations. But really, it's really about them feeling capable and just having that confidence and self-esteem. Because when there is an awareness that there is some forgetfulness and some confusion, that confidence has a tendency to drop a little bit. So we just need to keep it as high as we possibly can. And if they feel good about themselves, then they're going to be more cooperative for sure. So for all of us, I mean, let's, uh, as I mentioned, I'm in my 50s. What kinds of things can we do g- going forward as we age to work on our memory health? Ah, that's an excellent question. Um, we all need to work on this, and it's never too late to start. Um, again, we are who we are from the inside out. So, again, having that healthy diet, eating the right foods. I always say, you know, eat any kind of food that comes from the ground, a bush, a tree, or a vine, and have at it. Eat as much as you want. Um, and stay away from all the processed foods because, I mean, we all know that that's not really good for us. So, again, eating foods in their most natural state, staying socially active, being with your friends, staying connected. One of the symptoms of a memory impairment is becoming socially withdrawn, so encouraging ourselves and others who already have this diagnosis to stay socially active and connected with family and friends and staying active in that way. But when you start getting into the very specifics, we need to exercise both the body and the mind. You've got to challenge the mind to help sustain functioning. Um, Learn something new. Learn a new word. Learn a new word in a different language. Um, You know, sleeping well, doing that, getting enough sleep, also eliminating or even reducing smoking and alcohol. Um, some other specific activities that you can do. Again, do some general brain games, brain games that force you to do memory recall. So here are five or six words, and then 10 minutes later, what were those words? Kind of challenge and test yourself. Doing word associations, simple math, um, the proverbial, you know, Sudoku, uh, crossword puzzles, those are great. Um, uh, anything, puzzles. But here's the caveat with this is that do something that you enjoy doing, something that is going to be fun, because then you're going to stick with it, and you're going to continue doing those things. If you don't like it and you're not having fun, you're going to let it go, and it's going to drop to the wayside. So you just have to enjoy what you're doing, and then do it with someone else. Have a little competition. Do it together. 
So, again, that serves as a little motivator, too, when you're doing it with friends or even a family member. So, again, pick and choose whatever you want and whatever that looks like. But anything that makes you think, concentrate, and focus, those are great for the brains, any of those activities. I love board games, but I don't live with people who love board games. <laughs> I, I really, I used to buy them like from a, like garage sale. Like, I have uh, tons of games, like yeah. Risk, Monopoly. Uh, I even have, like, remember that, actually, this probably is good for memory, too. Is it, Remember the little shapes? You push down the board, and you had to put all the shapes in the right place. Perfection. Like, perfection. It's called perfection, because <laughs> I'm living vicariously through my grandchildren, and I bought them every board game I had as a child, and so one of them just got that for Christmas yes. perfection. I love that one. Yeah, I it's, do too. It's a lot of, it gets your heart rate going. Yeah, but so I think that like I, I agree, and plus because it, it's two things at once: it's socializing and it's a competition, and yep. it's also uh, you know when you when you have like especially like role playing games. There's a lot of fun stuff to do. I just need to find people. How, yeah, and how do you get like uh, with my father in law? He's very specific about how he socializes, and you know um, mm-hmm. a lot of. At least for him, um, he's got a core group of friends that they've always hung out together with. It's just where he's comfortable. Are there any resources or any um, groups or anything out there for people who maybe don't have? Like, my father-in-law is lucky. He's got a core group of friends. They're still kind of around. The kids are kind of still able to get them together. But what about for individuals who don't have that, you know, for that social aspect? Um, Is there anything around any of that, like, community things for them? Sure, sure. In each neighborhood, there should be, I mean, and again, you can go online, Google this, um, any recreation centers, senior centers, churches, they typically will have some of their own organizations and different things that are happening in the community. So I would start there. There's also even for family members, um, you can even search for support groups so family members know how to navigate the the dementia process and what might be happening based on symptoms, but also how to support their family member or their friend um, and really living each day to their best. But what does that look like? And these are all the questions that we always get. What do I do? Where do I even begin? But there are a lot of resources out there, but you can start small based on the individual. Don't push too hard, but just kind of use them as an indicator and let them kind of dictate and navigate to you how fast they want to go, how much they want to do. Because sometimes if we push too hard, it's too much, you know. So let them kind of, you know, follow their lead on what they want to do and what that might look like. But there's a lot of different community settings um, uh, in, in the Chicagoland area and all different neighborhoods so you can seek those yeah my mom, my mom is a part of a, a couple of senior centers and even like in the suburbs they don't always have like residential requirements yeah. and so you can kind of see like what's the right fit what the vibe is i mean it's like anything else where yeah. you might walk in and be like these are not my people yeah <laughs> that's what i said he's very particular so luckily he still has his group but i know there are some individuals who don't who don't have yeah. that and tell us a little bit about uh, your, uh, belmont senior living center uh, and what folks might want to know if they're if they're interested in learning more Ah, well, Belmont Senior Living, we have many locations in the Chicagoland area, so we have five in the in the area. Uh, we accommodate independent living, assisted living, and memory care, even from beginning stages of memory care to the very later stages of life. Um, but we want to provide our residents each and every day an active lifestyle and provide them an array of fun activities 
that provide both cognitive and, and physical stimulation to ensure they live their best life every day and they age well, even despite a cognitive disorder or despite the age or any stereotypes that go along with aging these days. But we provide community setting living. Um, and so our residents can live there, but not just live there, but thrive there. And they can continue living their lives and build the friendships. Um, we have great meals, chef-prepared meals, uh, transportation, you name it. We have salon services, theaters, you name it. So our communities are truly set up for an active lifestyle, is, is an active environment. Is 52 too young <laughs> to come? I, 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 I kind of want to go live there. <laughs> is 52 too young? <laughs> oh, my gosh. But it, it, it is great. You know, our families come and visit all the time, but the residents also dictate what they want to do. They'll let us know, hey, we want to do this or do that. We want to go on an outing. So it's not even just within the community setting. I mean, we venture out in the outside community as well to stay connected to everything and everyone. So we want to provide as much opportunity as we possibly can so they stay engaged with life, you know, and dispel the myths of aging, you know, just because you get old, you don't want to do anything. Absolutely not. On the contrary. Um, and so we want to be able to foster an active lifestyle. And yes, is that if that's at 52 or 62 <laughs> or, or 102, um, definitely want to make that happen. Well, well good. Maybe my me and my father-in-law will move in. I'll, I'll check with them. <laughs> I want to thank you so much. I'm glad that the folks uh, reached out to me. Uh, and I and I want to congratulate you on the work that you do because like a lot of times you'll see uh, assisted living or senior living, and and you know people have comments. It looks like people really love the work that you. You do, and you're award-winning, which is fantastic. Best yeah. Assisted Living for U.S. News 23-2024. Congratulations on that, and it was a pleasure to talk to you. I'd love to connect Thanks. with you again in the future. I would love that. Thank you so much for having me, Patty. I really enjoyed it, and Carmen, you as well. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you, Joyce. And, and the website is uh, belmontvillage.com, and you can find out about their locations. You can also follow them on Facebook with an, a vibrant page with a lot of uh, a lot of great photos of folks who uh, benefit from your work. Thank you so much, Joyce. Have a great evening, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Take Bye-bye. care. Bye-bye. We'll wrap up in just a moment with uh, Carmen Navarro-Jercone uh, when we return on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal, and KTNF 950 AM, Minneapolis-St. Paul. Hey there, it's your guy Warren Price from European and U.S. Collision Repair, a division of Technicraft Body Shops. We specialize in automobile and truck repair as well as normal automobile maintenance. With our highly skilled technicians and environmentally friendly materials, we strive for quality. Call 773-248-1200, that's 773-248-1200 or EuropeanUS.com. Patty Vasquez is taking your calls now at 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez now on WCPT 820. Just, uh, I'm going to say this and then laugh. Just a couple of brown girls in the studio. I've been watching like all the reaction to Nikki Haley saying that she was discriminated against as a brown girl. And people are like, she's not brown and all. I'm like... She's Indian, and, like, and then people are putting like Native American like memes and caricatures of her, calling her Pocahontas, and making saying she's like Elizabeth Warren. No, she's Indian. Her family's Indian from India. There are actual, uh, <laughs> but now they're like she doesn't look brown. Like what, why is she doing now? She now she's playing the race. I mean, like 
conservatives are losing their mind over her. Like they're calling her a whiner. You know, she was talking about how you know she was picked on. They they didn't know where to put her in a beauty pageant because it was either only white or black, which I I I I, I call foul on that. But but my mom laughs when I say I'm a brown girl. <laughs> I know. I look. I, I present. I present as white. And I, I can choose to, I can choose to pass as white, but I don't. I mean, but here here's the thing. It's one thing um, how you've lived your life is important, right? So um, when you have someone like that now out of convenience, yes. Now now you're speaking out of convenience, lady. I, that I have a huge issue with because I've never been able to be anything other than who I am. I may have been mistaken for a different kind of brown girl, but never for something other than Mexican. a brown. I was Puerto Rican, I Yeah, guess, there you I... go. You know, it's like, and then going from Humble Park to Skokie, like there was a distinct where I was different. So the fact that she wants to kind of use that now as a convenience yeah. because she wants to yeah. relate more to... to to who? To us brown people? Now, now you want to relate no. that you understand? Like you can right? Democrats do not fall for this. Do, do not, not do. Here's the thing: you, it doesn't. I get that that Joe is older, right? And then now Trump's talking about it. And don't even get me started on what Trump did over the weekend. Talking like say calling Nikki Haley and saying that she didn't do anything on January 6th that he offered her security and ten thousand. He mistook her for Nancy Pelosi. He kept saying Nikki instead of or whatever. And then talk about four. All these forts and fort blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. I mean, all this stuff. Uh, but do not. He was talking about his age and like yeah. well, you know, seventy seven is a lot different than eighty. Whatever. You could be. You can be Nikki Haley's age and not be qualified to be president of the United States. Yeah. You could. Don, Joe Biden at his age is more qualified to be president of the United States than Donald Trump. He has the lowest unemployment rates. Wages are going up. We have infrastructure. We have all kinds of things that have been invested in that I am comfortable going forward. Here's the thing. It's called a democracy, folks. Yeah. Which means that the in, in every kind of elected office, the person who's elected has to understand the office, know enough about the office and have qualifications. But they also have to be humble and confident enough to create a team right. that is going to support them. Right. Because when you create a team, you need a little bit of everybody around there. One person is not going to know everything. And in order to have that cohesiveness and work together and move forward, that team has to be open, honest, transparent, willing to listen. Oh, boy, it's a lot of stuff Like, here. that's a lot of stuff. Humble does not tell me that Trump is the furthest thing from humble. Joe Biden, on the other hand? Yeah. Willing to work like, with everybody. Willing to work. And that means that he will draw people that are willing to work. Yep. You get what you put out. I'm afraid with we saw already what he did yeah. once and what he brought together. That's the kind of team you want together again. And he's already said he's just going to be a dictator. So, yeah. And people are excited about that. This is a much longer conversation at some point. But I've, I've been thinking about this with what's going on globally, what's happening locally, is that some people have not been able to evolve, evolve really past that tribal instinct of we need to have all the resources. We need to have our women pregnant. We need to set a perimeter. Like maybe the point of being a human is evolving to the point of being able to live together, work together, you know, be able to ha- you know have goals that are different. Cause like one of our followers said that he, he looks forward to uh, Trumping a Democrat and we all fall in line. Like that is the goal for some people that we fall in 
online. And maybe the, you know, that's, that has never happened. That's never worked for the entire existence of humankind. We, they've always warred. They've always wanted to kill each other and take things from each other. He or she must not be a parent. I have five children. And I've been trying to work their entire lives to get them in line. Try like that. That is not the goal. You want people to grow, learn, and at the end, be kind and respectful. There it is. All true. What are you up to lately? Anything we should know? Any events coming up that you want to let us know about? Um, No, I'm on to a new adventure this year. So I'm the first uh, female uh, president of the FBI National Academy Associates Northern Division Board. So um, I'm very excited about that and uh, looking to move forward and and kind of bring more women into law enforcement. Yes. Working with Women of the Shield still uh, on the board with that. Um, We are the bridge and we're going to make a difference and and we're going to bridge this gap between law enforcement and the community and we're going to do it the right way. Outstanding. I I love that you're doing that work. And uh, is there a place people can go to learn more about encouraging young women to become involved in law enforcement? Uh, Well, right now you can go to our Facebook page. We do have a Facebook page, uh, Women of the Shield. Um, Look us up there. Uh, You'll learn a little bit about what we've been doing. But it is a cohort program. We've received a grant from Motorola. Um, So far, we've had uh, 16 women graduate. um, And we have quite a few working actively in law enforcement. So we're very excited um, to come. But look at our Facebook page. We have an academy coming in February. Excellent. And tomorrow we're going to talk to you, our friends from the uh, 